Amen. Well, good morning. Everybody doing okay this morning? Man, I just can't tell you how blessed we are to be here again. You know, uh, we've had a great time since we've been here. We had a great time at the banquet last night and just uh, meeting, uh, meeting some of you for the first time and then reconnecting with some of you as the Lord allows us to come. Pastor Thomas and Amity and the team, thank you for, for inviting us and trusting us with, uh, with the, your people, the people that God has assigned to you. And so I, wanna, uh, I want us to turn this morning to Exodus chapter 13. I want to give you two scriptures. Uh, I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 13, then I'm going to give you, share one of my life scriptures with you that I felt that the Lord put in my spirit for, for us this morning. But I also want to acknowledge, I, I recognize, I'm aware that you guys are in the year of Jubilee. It's the 50th year of existence as a church when it began wait 50 years ago. And I also recognize that uh, this is Thomas and Amity's seventh year here. You know, the year, the number seven in the Bible a lot of times represents a cycle of completion of something and the beginning of something new. So I believe that this is a, a new season for you guys. And uh, thank you for, for being faithful to the call of God on your lives. I know that this church has existed for 50 years because God is faithful to you, to the families of this church, and because you are faithful to the Lord. So I just want to congratulate you and thank you for persevering all these years and all these seven years, but I also want you to understand that God is getting ready to do something new again, that God always goes from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. And I believe that in the year of Jubilee for this church, I had a pastor that I served under in Houston many years ago, and he lived in Alabama, and they lived by the beach on the coast. And something in this community, I forget the name of the community where they lived in, but they had what they called Jubilee, where the, where the ocean would turn over the fish of the sea to the beach. And so when it did that, there was fresh fish that you could go and pick up and eat. And so the people that lived on the beach there uh, and in the, in, the, in the nearby community, they always had buckets in their backyard. They had buckets in their, whether there's a porch or just somewhere in the backyard, they were always ready because they never knew when the sea was going to turn over the fish, but it was, they would call it Jubilee. And when Jubilee came and the free fish came on the land, the people were prepared to get their buckets and go gather the fish. Go gather the harvest. I believe that this is a year of jubilee historically, but also a year of harvest that's coming. So I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you, get your buckets ready. Get your buckets ready to receive the new, the harvest that he's bringing. Uh, maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody you've been praying for, always be prepared to receive that, that the Lord turns over to you in a specific season. I believe that God is in the beginning processes of revival, of bringing, of, of, of rescuing people, restoring people, reestablishing people, but also to bringing new people into the kingdom. So I just wanted to share that with you. And also to remind you that the same God that brought you to this day from 50 years ago, when this church started to this day, that same God and the same God that sent you here seven years ago is the same God that's going to take this church and the ministry and the leadership of this church and the impact of this church. The same God that has been faithful over the last 50 years is the one that's going to take you into this new season. Amen? So we can be grateful for that. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for all that he's done? Thank you for your pastors. For your, for your pastors, for your team, we're just grateful. Exodus chapter 13, here's what I want to say to you. In this new season that you're going past 50 to get to the next 50, you know, maybe, many of us maybe won't be here, but just like some of you weren't here when the church was started 50 years ago, but you're here now, everything you do today is not just for today, but it's also so that 50 years from now somebody can say, man, 100 years ago, this happened, and then this team came, and these people served, and now 50 years from that time, 100 years later, look what, the God, what God continues to do. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the same God that got you here is the same God that's going to take you there. Amen? But this is what I want you to know. There are no shortcuts to your future. There are no shortcuts to a better marriage. There's no shortcuts to being better parents, to, to have a good family. There's no shortcuts for this church to fulfill everything that it's supposed to fulfill in this next season of its life. And so with that in mind, I want you to look at Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. And this is when God was getting, getting ready to start a new season for his people. He was taking them out of Egypt, the place of bondage, and he was taking them to the promised land. And it says in verse 17, then it came to pass, and I love that, it came to pass. 
God has a plan and his plans always come to pass. In other words, if he said it, he can make it happen regardless of what we're currently experiencing. He says, it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds. He began something, he says, I don't want them to change their minds about what I've begun in them. He says, lest they change their minds when they see war, when troubles come and they return to Egypt, they return to what was instead of pursuing what is to be. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your church here in Lawrence, Kansas. Thank you for these people, oh God. Thank you for this team, Lord, for these pastors, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Every, every, everybody in this place, beginning with me, remind us of who you are and what you've said and where you're taking us to in this new season. I thank you, Lord, that you would help me today to minister to your people that you love and you care for and you want to encourage, oh God, to continue to trust you as they move forward in this next season of their lives. I commit all things to your care today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, before I get, is Adrian still in the room? We're going to go back to 17. Is Adrian in the room somewhere? Okay, I'll catch up to her later. How about the young girl that was playing the, the bass guitar here? Is she here? They'll be back. There's Adrian right there. Adrian, can I just, I mean, during worship, I just want to say this real quickly because I'll forget because I'm going to get tunnel vision on this message. And, uh, but I felt like I heard the Lord say to you, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. He says that, that I, I feel, and you asked the Lord about this, you're not just a worshiper, but there's a psalmist anointing on your life. A psalmist has the ability to, through song, tell stories. And he says that he's going to allow you and, and create opportunities for you to tell uh, his story which is going to become part of the history of your lives and the history of this church. But he says, you're not just a singer. You're not just a worship leader. You're a psalmist. So don't be afraid to tell the history and his story through the songs that he's going to begin to put into your spirit. Amen? So God bless you. I just wanted to share that with you. And uh, the young lady that was here, because I'll forget playing the bass. I don't know where she is, if she's somewhere. There you are. Hey, I don't know who you are. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen you before. But when I looked over you at 9 a.m. in the service, it, I got this picture of an auto body shop, a place that takes in wrecked cars and, and things that aren't running properly, and they, would, they bring them to the auto body shop. There's an anointing on your life to help repair that that has been broken out of place and out of sync, and God's going to allow you to help repair and fix some vehicles, people that he has purpose and destiny for, so there's an anointing on you. That's why people that are broken or people that have a missing wheel or a missing, they're, 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 they're struggling with, with uh, direction in their life, or there's pieces that have been bumped into, they've been wrecked, and God's, God's put an anointing on your life to help repair that that is broken, so don't underestimate the value of that. Amen? All right, God bless you. So back, back, to Saul, back to Exodus 17, there is no shortcuts. He said, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to take you from Egypt. I'm going to take you to the promised land. He says, but there, there seems to you to be a shortcut to get there. He says, but I'm not going to get you the shortest route. Remember, he says that the shortest, I said, the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. So we always get a word from the Lord or we hear something or he says something to us and we want to get there as fast as we can, as soon as we can. He says, you may not understand the route that I'm taking you on, but I know what I'm doing. He says, if you'll trust me and don't take any shortcuts, you'll accomplish that that's in, that I put in your heart to accomplish for you, for your marriage, for your family, for this church and for this city. So don't, in the middle of it, you're going to experience obstacles just like they did. They, they got to the Red Sea. They got the difficult situations in their lives. And so they were looking for a way around to get to where God was taking them to. But God says, if you'll trust me, it may seem to you like it's a difficult route or not the shortest route. But God says, it's a sure route because I don't want you to change your mind about where I'm taking you. I don't want you to change your mind about the decisions that you've made about me and about faith and, and, and about your marriage and what I'm speaking to you in this season of your life. So don't change your mind. I'm telling you as individuals and Pastor Thomas and Leisha, I'm saying, don't change your mind about the trajectory 
of the direction that God has for you in this new season of your life. When you face battles, and you will face them, it's not if you face battles, if, if, but when you face battles, when you face troubles, when, when you experience lack or opposition, when, every, when something comes against you personally or corporately, we must believe that the same God that has tracked you for the last 50 years and the last seven years is the same God that's going to track you for the next 50 years and the next however many years of your life that God has appointed. And that applies to each and every one of us personally. We must believe that God continues to direct our steps. It's the only comfort that I take as we've navigated 41 plus years of marriage and 35 years of ministry because everybody runs into trouble. Our humanity will run into the realities and the difficulties and the challenges and the changes of life. But one thing remains for sure in the middle of all that is that we, is that we can trust God and his love is never ending. It's tireless as we'll look at a scripture here in a little bit. He never changes his mind about us. So he says, don't change your mind about me regardless of what we're facing. So we have to believe that God's going to continue to direct our steps. Now, my life scripture, one of my life scriptures is Psalms chapter 32, verse 8 through 11. I want to share that with you, and then I want to encourage you in a couple of thoughts in regards to that. With that in mind about there being no shortcuts, God having a purpose and a destiny and a plan for your life, for your family, for your children, for, your grand, for my grandchildren, which we're getting ready to have grandchild number eight. I thought, oh my gosh, I told Sandra, somebody's getting old around here. Like, it's kind of like, you know, we've been married for 41 years. We're getting ready to have our eighth grandchild. And, uh, but but this, is, this is what Psalm 32, 8 says. I believe this is a word from the Lord for you. It's in the Bible, but I believe it's a, a specific word for a specific season, for a specific, specific time, for a specific reason right here, right now. And this is what Psalm 32, 8 says. I share it a lot with people. If God puts somebody in my heart, this is a scripture. Maybe some of you have got this scripture from me. Some of you that we've connected with, some of you that have been on my team. I'll send this scripture as a reminder, but I've never preached it. So I'm going to kind to preach it today, and then I want God to minister to you. I want God to encourage you this morning. I want you to walk away from this place believing that what we're hearing and reading this from his word is actually true, and then we just have to act on it. We have to activate our faith. We have to, we have to still ourselves in the midst of all the troubles and all the challenges and difficulties that we're in the midst of, and all the questions. I pray that God's word today and God's spirit silences every question, every thought that's contrary to the truth of God's word, that there is a spirit of revelation that will come and reveal to you how true he really is, how his word can be trusted, how he can be trusted, how he is not a, a man that he would change his mind, nor the son of a man that he, would that he would lie, or the son of a man that he would change his mind concerning the things that pertain to you, those that belong to him, those that have surrendered their lives to the lordship of Christ Jesus. Is anybody like that that I've described here in the house today or watching? And I'll say, I have committed my life to the Lord. I don't understand my journey, but I know that I'm no longer who I was. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things are gone and behold, all things have become new. Anybody here that way? Well, now we have to trust everything that comes along with that. So here it goes. Psalm 32, eight says, the Lord says, now who's speaking here to the writer of the scripture? Who's saying this? The Lord. I, I don't think you can get much, much more of a reliable person to speak into your life than God himself. And he says, the Lord says, I will guide you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. Man, that, that just to me, it says that in itself is enough to say God's guiding me. God's going to advise me, give me counsel, and he's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me as I venture into the next season of my life, as I change, as I'm being transformed from what I was to what I'm becoming, as I'm putting off the old man and putting on the new man, as, I'm, as I've got godly vision and godly perspectives, I'm leaving aside the things of the world, and I'm looking for things of the kingdom of God that no one can take away. I'm, I'm done with what was. I'm not looking back anymore. I'm pressing in in the midst of my trouble in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my disappointment, in the midst of my discouragement, in the midst of what's confusing, in the midst of what culture is saying, in the midst of what the social media is saying, in the midst of every other voice that's going out there, I am confident that God is going to guide me and he's going to advise me and he's going to protect me as I navigate the challenges and the difficulties and the rejection and everything that goes on as we're standing in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in this season of our lives. He says, do not be like a senseless horse or mule, Richard. Has he ever said that to you? You know anybody that can be a little bit stubborn from time to time? 
He said, <laughs> my wife says, yeah, you're looking at him. But. He says, do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. The Lord said to me someone time, I said, Richard, you're out of control, son. Have you, ever felt, have you ever felt that you're out of control? Not you, somebody you know is out of control. I had a counselor when I was, getting a, when I was in, a, in, a, in a drug rehab place in Houston, Texas, said to me, the more in control you think you are, the more out of control you really are. He says, you only have a choice. Who's going to be in control of your life, God or you? And man, I messed up my life. I know what trying to be in control looked like. So I said, God, I surrender my old ways and my sinful ways, and I, and I put my life under your control, your ways over my ways, your thoughts over my thoughts, your plans over my plans. And for the last 35 plus years of ministry and the last 40 years of marriage, I've watched God do this in my life. He guides us. He guides us in the best pathway for our life. He advises us, and he watches over us in the midst of everything that's going on. So he says, so rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obeyed him. He says, shout for joy all those whose hearts are pure. Why should we rejoice and shout for joy? Because he promises to guide us, to advise us, and to watch over us. Can we just thank the Lord? Can we just shout to the Lord and be thankful that he promises to do that in our lives this day? Listen, he said here, I will guide you in the best pathway for my life. He didn't say I'll guide you in the easiest pathway for your life. He didn't say I'll lead you in the most convenient pathway for your life. He didn't say, I will lead you in the, in the one, in, in the path that has less obstacles. He didn't say, I promise to lead you in a way where you're not going to ever suffer pain and feel like you just kind of lost your way or, or whatever. He didn't say, he said, I'm going to lead you in the best pathway for your life. And I've come to understand that in my humanity and my limited understanding, I don't really understand what that is sometimes. I don't know why things happen. Uh, well, I do know it's because we live in a fallen world. But there's going to be times in this journey, there has been, and there's going to be times in this next phase of your journey that you're taking with the Lord where you're going to have a lot of questions. And the only one that really has answers for you is the Lord himself in his word and the people that he surrounds you with that will give you spiritual guidance and spiritual direction. When I talked to you last night and, we, and you came and greeted, thank you for coming and saying hello. I really appreciate that. But God's got you on a new trajectory. That who you were is who you were. God is turning you into who you're going to become and what God is going to do in this next season of your life. And you can trust him. I don't know. You don't trust a lot of people, but God says to tell you, you can trust him. And you can trust the people that he's surrounding you with because God brings correction in my life. He brings correction because of his affection for my protection. So you trust him in that as he leads you in this next journey, this next season of your life. And he said, listen, but it's not always going to be easy. It's not always easy. He didn't say, I'm going to lead you in the most comfortable way, in the way where you're not going to have to be challenged or changed from where you were to where, what I'm making you. He says, I'll lead you in the best pathway. And sometimes it's really hard to understand. And the Lord reminded me in this season, and I shared it with the people at nine o'clock, about our time of season in, in, uh, in uh, Houston, Texas, as we were on staff at a church there. And I was going into Piedras, Next, in Piedras Negras, Mexico. We were, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Lenny Weston, and I, we were gathering the pastors in this border town of the other side of Eagle Pass. And you may have heard of the towns in the news now because of all the immigration stuff that's going on. But we we're gathering because God had called us to go do a citywide crusade. We, there was a harvest that God was preparing, and he had, he had invited us to go and gather the pastors and gather the churches. We're going to set up at a big stadium there, and we're going to do a big revival event, crusade. And so we're in the planning stages of that, and we were in Houston. This was in the 90s, and uh, we, we had just finished meeting with the pastors. We were back in our little hotel room, and there was a little courtyard in that hotel room, and I stepped out to pray, and and when I was sit, sitting there praying and just asking the Lord about everything that had just happened and what he, what he wanted us to do, and then I had a, a voice, a presence that came, as it were, and sit on that bench with me in, in Piedras Negras, Mexico. And that voice threatened me and said this to me. He says, Richard, if you don't stop pursuing what you're pursuing here, I'm coming after your family. And I felt fear try to grip my heart. See, sometimes, you know, we don't tell stories like this because, man, I ain't going to serve God if I'm going to have problems. Well, listen, man, you're going to have problems whether you serve God or not. And if I'm going to have problems, I'd rather have him on my side than, than, than with me than against me. 
And so I was sitting there and, and I felt this and I went to Lenny and said, man, Lenny, I just felt, he says, yeah, I've been praying. So we started praying. We got home later on that day. I got to the house and Sandra, my children were young then. We were, we were doing youth ministry. That was my official, official position uh, in the church I was at. And I told her what happened. And she said, well, we, she, when I got there, she said, where are, where are you been? I've been trying to call you. We couldn't be able to get to connect with you. She said, while you were gone, she said, Jessica, who's my eldest, my firstborn daughter, she was about, I don't know, 12 or 13 or around that age. She said she was in a room and she came to me and said, mom, mom. She says, there's an evil presence in my room. I could see him and I could feel him. And he told me that if I didn't, didn't stop my, my faith walk, that he was coming after me to destroy me. While the enemy was threatening me in Mexico, he was threatening, threatening my firstborn child. And so we began to press and said, well, we better pray, you know. And, and during this time, and this is what I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. How many of you have ever said that? I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll speak to it. I'll, I'll say whatever you want me to say. The only thing I asked him, I didn't ask him for, for money. I didn't ask him for material possessions. I, I said, Lord, the only thing I ask of you is, will you protect my family? I'll do, what, I'll, I'll do whatever, Lord. I'll just, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it but protect my family. That was my only petition of the Lord. Two weeks later, on a Wednesday night after church, we're headed out. We lived in Houston, so we didn't travel together. We were separate cars, and so I was in the vehicle. I, I let, we, we'd work all day, and it was too far to get home and come back for service, so we would just eat there at the church, and we'd do services. So it was a long day. So I got home. I'm taking off my shoes, and I'm undoing my shirt just to kind of relax in my living room, when all of a sudden I get the phone call. And on the other side of the phone is my then 11-year-old son, Rick. And he's on the phone saying, Dad, Dad. And I, I could tell something was, wasn't right. Something wasn't, because Rick's a real kind of calm most of the time, unless you upset him. Then he can, he has a temper like his mom. But <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Andy laughs, because he, know, he knows better. <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure you guys are listening. But. And, he, and I said, what's wrong? He says, we need your help. I said, what's going on? I said, we've been in an accident, Mom. And, she, and he's just kind of going, he's all over the place. And I said, son, is there, is there somebody there that, can, that I can talk to? Give the phone to somebody. So he gave the phone to a man that was there that was, had kind of arrived at the accident scene. And, he, said, and he, says, he says, your family's just been in a bad car wreck. On the Katy Freeway, they, they were five minutes from our home. I'm asking God to protect my family when I'm in Mexico or El Salvador or Honduras, and here they are five minutes away, and, and now we got trouble. We got something's going on. And then that same voice that spoke to me two weeks earlier in Mexico said, I told you, if you didn't stop this journey of faith that you're on, I'm coming after your family. And fear tried to grip my heart. And so I remember getting in my, in my truck and I'm, I'm getting on the other side of the freeway because I couldn't get directly to him. I was going to have to go and make a U-turn and come to that side of the road, the highway that they were on. By the time I was headed that way, I could see Sandra Suburban flipped over, all beat up, beat down, crumbled up. And I could tell there was a line of cars. And, and so I'm in a hurry. I, I, I'm just, I'm in, a, in my human panic trying to figure out what happened. And so I make the turn and I'm coming up to where they are. I couldn't get to them because traffic had backed up by the time I got there. And so I, I went on the, on the easement of the, of the buildings of the businesses. I ran over grass and signs and I was doing whatever I can to try to get to them. And, and so I finally got close enough. I get off my truck and I'm running and I'm trying to figure out what's going on in the midst of it. And my son Rick's on the side of the road and they've got one of those little blankets because he he was kind of going into shock. And then my son, Gabriel, he had, he had broken out a window and climbed out of the vehicle so he could call for help and stop the other cars at 11 years old, stop the other cars from coming in and, and getting, and getting to, my, to my youngest son, Gabriel, and our neighbor, who was lying in the middle of the road, all bloodied up, all cut up, bleeding. And I'm walking up and I'm seeing Rick going into shock. I'm seeing my one son full of blood. The neighbor that we were winning and bringing to church and trying to win him to the Lord was all cut up and beat up. And the enemy says, man, and they're going to come after you too. And then I look over there and my wife is pinned underneath the vehicle and can't get out. And I'm saying, Lord, what do I do? And Lord, all I asked you was to protect my family. I didn't ask for anything else. And that voice screaming in my ear, I told you, if you didn't stop this journey of faith, I'm coming after your family. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the threats of the enemy were manifesting. And all of a sudden, I just, and so I didn't know what, so I started praying because I've been taught to pray. 
And so I prayed in English and I prayed in Spanish. I prayed in my heavenly language. I, I prayed in every language I could muster up, just asking God, please help me, Lord. What do I do? Where do I start? Who do I go to first? It was overwhelming. So they start loading them up in the vehicle. They're cutting the, 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 my wife out of, the, out of the suburban. One of my friends, Keith Sensat, who's already gone to be with the Lord, was watching over her and he says, I got her. He says, go take care of the kids. And it's fresh. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not emotional because it brings sad tears. I'm emotional because I, I realize now, looking back, how good God was, even in the midst of that trouble, even in the midst of that impossibility. God was with me. God's peace was with me. God began to direct my steps, not in the easiest pathway for my life, but in the best pathway for my life. So they go off to the hospital. Yeah, we can thank God for that. So it was troubling. It was, what do you do with that? When you made a decision to follow God, when you made a decision to trust him with your life and trouble comes and you, it's too hard to understand and life seems to be too hard and not fair. What do we do? You know, James said it's that these tests of our faith is when our faith is put under pressure, that these tests and these challenges are a gift and an opportunity from God. How many of you know that's the last thing I wanted to hear when I come up on that accident? Look at what he actually says in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, anybody got some troubles today? Anybody got some family members in trouble? Anybody got some, some challenges in front of you? He says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Are you kidding me? Can I tell you there was no ounce of joy in my soul when I walked up upon that accident and saw what had just happened? And he says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, leading nothing. You will mature. It's a time for us as believers in the church to mature in spite of our troubles, in spite of our losses, in spite of the things that are too hard to understand. There is a God who works in all things, and we have to trust him. If not, and we left to our own understanding, we'll never make it. We'll never get to our destination. We'll never get to the next next 50 years. We'll never get to the next year. We've got to put our trust and confidence totally in him. I love the way the message translation says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. How many of y'all been there? He says, you know that under pressure, your faith, is, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its two true colors. So don't try to get out of it anything prematurely. Don't take the shortcut. Don't try to make a shortcut and make your own way out of, you do what you can, but you trust God to lead you and guide you. He says, I'll guide you in the best pathway for your life. So what do you do when your faith is put under pressure? Well, you have to look at a different perspective. I'm not excited that my family was, was in that situation they were in, but it was an opportunity for me to see the greatness and the kindness of God. To see the God who can heal, the God who can save, the God who can set free. This God that we've read about and heard about, now I was going to get to experience him in a real tangible way. In the midst of my trouble, God proved himself to be who he truly was. How will we ever experience the miraculous unless we need a miracle? How will we really experience the power of God until we need the power of God to move in our life and in our marriages, in our churches, and in our community? So we're not joyful for the thing that's happened. We're not joyful for the trouble. We're joyful because my faith says I have hope in the one who has said that he has committed himself to me and I don't know how he's going to get me out of this mess or through this mess but I trust that he's going to and in the meantime it's going to be a meantime but I'm going to stay on the journey I'm going to stay in my faith I'm going to hold on to the only one that can help me and strengthen me and encourage me and keep me in the midst of everything that's going on in my life James 1, 5, 8 says, if you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help you. He loves to help us. He says, don't think you're going to get anything from the master if you're double-minded. He's talking about keeping all your options open. Do you still all have all your other options open? You know, we can commit our life to Jesus, but we still have, maybe, well, if he doesn't come through, then maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the only one that's ever thought that or operated that way. No more options for me. I'm all in. I, I tell people I'm like a, like a really, really good Mexican jukebox. You ever been to a good Mexican restaurant with a really good jukebox? I only got two speeds, either loud or off. There is, there is, there is no in between. It's time for us to be all in. 
He says, so, so what do I do? I said, well, I got to get a different perspective. I need to ask God for help, and I need to take action on what he tells me, and I need to listen long enough to what he's trying to say. If you have children, if somebody, has someone ever come to you for counsel or advice about something? Let me see your hands. Anybody? Probably everybody. Everybody. And they come to you and say, hey, I really need your, your counsel about something. What do you think about it? And before you tell them, they cut you off and they've already told you their plan. <laughs> and I say, well, did you, did you really, I mean, did you really want my advice or you were just kind of just, I mean, really, right? And God says, you know, that's the way you are with me sometimes. You come to me for counsel, but before I can give you the fullness of my counsel, you've already made a plan and you're, you're going to do this your own way because you want to get there quickly but there's no shortcuts to get through what we may keep going, keep going through and get to where God's wanting to take us in this season of our life. So we ask him for help and then we need to act on that and then we can't forget, we can't forget that he tirelessly loves us, that, that he, he, he never stops caring for us, that he never stops ministering to us in the midst of everything that's going on. Psalm 32 says that his unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. I love the Spanish translation. It says amor inagotable. It means inexhaustible, endless, infinite, tireless. He loves us tirelessly. So when we're going through difficult times, we have to trust him. We have to, we have to, we have to change our perspective and take our eyes off the trouble and put our eyes on the only one that can get us through the trouble. And we have to ask him for help. We have to give him time to speak into our lives. We have to press into him. We have to separate ourselves for him and his word and his counsel. And then we have to act on whatever he's speaking to us and never forget that he loves you no matter what. Never forget that he loves you no matter what. That in the midst of my trouble, his love for me, for you, is endless, inexhaustible, infinite, and tireless. So if you're in a difficult place this morning, if you've got trouble, if, you, if you've not got clarity of thought about what the next step is, what your future may look like, then I, I encourage you to do that. Get a new perspective. Ask God for help. Take action on what he tells you. Know that he loves you tirelessly. Then he says, I'll give you advice. Quit taking advice from people that can't help you. Some people can. Take godly counsel. Take biblical counsel. Quit listening to all the, all the stuff that's out there. Why, why, since, since when did YouTube and social media become the gospel? Yeah. We, we got to get back to God. We got to get back to the fear of the Lord and, 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 our, and, and, our, and having an awe and a respect for God and his word and his plan and who he is, his word, his spirit. And he says, I'll watch over you. Psalm 33, 18 says, but the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are, but he also knows where he's taking you into this season. And by the way, he knows why you're angry. Some of you are angry in here. Maybe you may be angry at God. You may be angry at a spouse. You may be, some of you are angry. He knows you're angry. And even that, he says, my unfailing love for you. He says, I will come and I'll bring correction to your life, like I said. But he brings correction because of his affection for our own protection. So settle this today. God says he watches over those who fear him and rely on his unfailing love. You're not alone in this journey. The church wasn't alone in the last 50 years. The church is not going to do it alone in the next 50 years. Pastor Thomas and Amity and team, they, they, you've not led this last seven years alone. You're not going to need to lead the next seven or however many the Lord has for you. You're not going to, you're not going to be alone to do that. You'll have people and team around you, but God is with you. God is on our side. He knows your challenges. Please hear me this morning. He knows our challenges. He knows our problems. He knows our pain. He knows the losses that we've experienced. He knows our lack, but he wants you to see him as he truly is. I, I want you to sell this. God is loving. He is kind. He is gracious. He's forgiving. He's merciful, and he's powerful. I always say, God, help me and forgive me and change my heart, but be merciful while you do it, lest I be destroyed, because who can withstand your great hand? One more thought, and then we're going to pray. You remember the story of the Jericho when, the, when God's people took the town of Jericho and the walls, and it was another one of the, I love the, the banquet lesson when they were telling stories, things, songs that they sing in children's church, and well, they used to do this thing about marching around Jericho and the walls fell down, and man, if I fall down now, I may not be able to get back up, so I won't do it. <laughs> but you ever think about, why, why didn't God just, man, go around Jericho? Man, why waste all, seven days? I, I mean... That's what he said, seven days. Well, I'm acting on it. Day one, nothing. Day two, why, why did he just take them another route? 
Why did he, why did he say do this? And why did, he, why did he make them face that battle? Why did he make them go into that war to recover that that belonged to, that was rightfully theirs already? He already had a plan. Even they didn't even know what the plan was. I believe the Bible doesn't clearly say in that specific context, but I believe that God said, I could take you another way. He said, but you wouldn't experience physically, individually, you would not experience my great power. You would never experience what I can do that you cannot do. You would never be able to see a God that can cause walls to collapse without even thrusting a weapon towards the enemy. You would never see a God who could destroy your enemies and defend you without you having to lift a sword. I ask you to worship. I ask you to be quiet. And on the seventh day, I ask you to shout, a shout of victory for that that was yet to come. I believe God wants us to not, he doesn't want us to take us around the easy way. That sometimes we have to walk through trouble. Sometimes we have to watch the big, but because we have to get to know personally this God of breakthrough who can do things that for us are impossible, but for him is possible. I believe that every time after that victory, when they saw what God could do, the next battle wasn't as scary. The next challenge wasn't as, it didn't shake them like the first one did because they experienced the mighty hand of God in a way that was personal to them. I don't want to just live off the stories that people tell about what happened 50 years when the church was birthed and then about the Jesus movement and we, I understand all that. God did some mighty, I don't want to live in past history. God is rewriting history. God has more story to tell about this church. But if we navigate and take the easy way around and then we don't face the battles and the troubles and we don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it. We don't have to understand it. We have to trust him. We have to trust in his unfailing love. And if we keep our eyes on him, as Adrian sang about, we will see another victory. We will see another revival. We will see God do in this town what people say is impossible to be done because in our own strength, we cannot do it. But by my God, I want you to know I've experienced the power of a real God. He's alive and he's for real and he can do what he says he's going to do in spite of what I'm experiencing today. Allow him to guide you. Allow him to give you advice. Act on his advice and never question his love for you. I'm, I'm finished preaching. So I go into that hospital. I hadn't forgot the story. My wife's in the ICU. They're in the hospital in Houston. Her left shoulder's all tore up. She got road rash and junk everywhere, and she's in a lot of pain. And when we brought her in, when I get to the ICU room, she's she's not conscious. She's she had a head injury and she had bandages all, all over her head. And, and I'm I'm fighting, guys. I, I'm battling for my faith. I'm saying, God, oh I I didn't ask you for much, Lord. All I wanted was. All I ask for is that you'd protect my family. That's all, Lord. And the enemy threatened to do this, and he's done it. Lord, I said, I don't understand, God. Is he, is he more powerful than you are? That's not what I've read. That's not what I've heard. I, it just didn't, it, it's something, it, I, my, my faith was under pressure. And I couldn't explain it away. I couldn't, I couldn't. You know, Bible it away. Have you ever argued with God with his own word about something? So I walk into that room. And my precious wife, Sandra, she's, she's a beautiful soul. She's, she's just an incredible wife, mom and grandma and friend. And day one, I said, I go in there real quietly and she's just laying on her back and all bandaged up. And I said, hey, sweetie, you doing okay? So I'd leave and go figure out what's going on with the boys and some of the church people were watching them so I could go back and forth to the hospital. So day two, during my visiting hours, hour, I go in day two and she's still in her bed on her back and all bandaged up. And I go up to her and I say, hey, sweetie, hey, it's me. Can you hear me? I'm praying for you. You're going to be okay. Nothing. I'd stay there and I'd go by, hey, sweetie. Need anything, you know, just so I 
go back and I'm just fighting and said, Lord, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. I, can't, I love you, Lord, and, and, and I know where I'm supposed to be in Mexico doing those crusades, and I know where I'm supposed to be. I said, Lord, but I, I can't put my family. If you cannot protect my family, Lord, I can't do this. I, I just, I, Lord, I, I just, I, I can't do this, Lord. And so in my heart, I said, I'm, this is it. I'm done. I've experienced enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going forward. And I said, Lord, now how can I ask my wife, who I just told two weeks ago that you would protect her, and this happened, how can I tell her to still trust you and to still trust me to lead her? To God, I need a different perspective. I'm asking you to help me and give me advice. And I'll act, but God, I, I can't. I said, Lord, would you speak to my wife? If we're going to move forward, I can't ask her. You'll need to ask her. Because I just couldn't do it, guys. So day three, and I walk in to the hospital room there, the ICU. And there's my wife. And she's sitting up on the bed just like she's sitting right there this time. She's sitting up and bright-eyed and, well, not bushy-tailed, but she was, she was, she was, she was bright-eyed. <laughs> I just saw her, man, my. And the first thing before she said anything, she, with her good hand and her pointy finger, and she's pointed at me more than once since then, but she looked at me and she said, don't you take one step back. And I knew God had spoken to her. I began to see those walls coming down. I began to see a way through where in my perspective there seemed to be no way through. And she got up and we talked and she got better and God had spoken to her. And from that moment on, we realize that we don't understand why things happen other than we live in a fallen world, but that no matter what happens, there is a God that will lead us in the best pathway for our life. I watch God do it, and I don't have time to tell you all the story, but from that moment on, we've never taken a step back, and we've been through some stuff, just like most of you. Ref City Church, I'm here to tell you today, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what, what happened and you said, I'm going to, and then I didn't. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who's going to, hey, save me from this wretched man that I am? And he said, thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. So we decided to trust him in spite of our pain, in spite of our not understanding God's ways sometimes. Can we serve a God that sometimes we don't understand? And here's what I want to tell you. That happened in 1990, and we've been through a lot of things, and we stand, come here, sweetie. I'm going to embarrass her. She hates when I do this. She'll point her finger at me when we get out of church again. <laughs> but I like that finger because it reminds me of the power of God. God to speak into people's hearts that we cannot speak. God to change hearts that we cannot change. God to bring down walls that we cannot bring down. And so we stand here today. We, we went through that crisis of faith. We went through that test of faith under pressure. And we've been through many more. And here we stand today in the presence of the living God and the presence of this congregation. And the threats that the enemy sent our way never came to happen. How do I know that? Because we're all alive and we're all here and we're all serving the Lord and we're battling together. Amen. Thank you. So what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say that he knows where you are. He knows where you've been but he also knows where he's taking you and your family to. And in our perspective, God wants to change your perspective about something. I know you guys love the Lord. I know that you have, that you're saying, Lord, I, I, I've got these plans. I know you have these plans for me and for my family. And sometimes, God, how are we going to get there? Well, quit trying to figure out how you're going to get there and just keep trusting the one that can get you there. And there's some walls, there's some barriers that have kept you from, there's like a breakthrough. I see something you've been trying to get to. There's, there's something that you're trying to accomplish, but it seems like it's impassable, impenetrable. But God says that when you keep your eyes on him, he doesn't promise that you're not going to suffer. He's not going to promise that you're never going to lack. He's not going to promise that, that you won't have trouble. What he's promising you, he's going to get you through whatever comes your way. And when you realize it, you can realize, I didn't understand why God took me this way instead of taking me the shortest route because it seems like it's been a long time coming. But God wants me to tell you it's coming. It's coming. Amen? Amen. You can trust God. You can trust his faithfulness. 
You can trust what you don't, what, what you don't understand and things don't make sense to you. You can trust him. And here's the other thing. I don't know. Are you, I mean, you, you're, 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 your mind is always working. You're, you're trying to figure out a plan because you're saying, I'm not just going to get stuck. I'm going to find a way. And there's nothing wrong with, but sometimes you need to let the mechanisms of your mind just shut down for a minute and let then listen to what he has to say to you in this season. There's something really, really important that you've been asking him about. He says, but you've been so busy telling, formulating your plan and telling me your plan that you're missing. There's, there's a key that he has for you. It's not that your plan is off. It's just that there's a key that he's, that you're missing and he has that key. And he says, and I'm trying to get it to you. So just, so just take time, just a moment and say, Lord, there's something missing here because I've done the best I can. I've thought it every way, and still there's something missing. And God says, I've got that. Here's what it is. He doesn't have any problem getting you the key or getting you to that place. He says, but he, more than getting you to that place, he wants a personal relationship with you because he says you're precious to him. And he says that you're, you're like a treasure in a treasure chest, and he's getting ready to reveal the treasure that you are, not just to you, but to those around you. So just take a moment so he can give you the key to unlock that treasure, and then you're going to find in that the fulfillment that you've been you can trust him in spite of everything that's going on around you. That's the kind of God that we serve. And we don't have to understand everything. We don't have to like everything. You're still praying about some stuff and you say, God, when, is, when are you going to make that happen? It's, got, it's taking a little bit long. There are no shortcuts to get to where you're going to the results that you're looking for. But God is faithful. He who promises also able to do that, that you've had conversations with him about. Take his advice. Never, never question his love. And you watch him finish that that, you, that he started. In Philippians says, being confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you is able to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God has put you in the right place at the right time. You're here on purpose for a purpose, but it's not your purpose, it's his purpose. And in fulfilling his purpose, you're going to discover life in a way that's totally, it's like above and beyond anything you could ask or ever think. There's a God that's able. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who's faithful. And if you'll commit your plans, you commit your ways to the Lord, he will direct. The, the scripture says, many are the plans of a man, but it's God's purpose that will stand. It's good to have plans. It's good to formulate some ideas and thoughts, but don't be surprised when God surprises you because you thought you were headed this direction. God said, no, but I want you in this direction. And you can trust God and trust your parents, trust your, your pastors. I don't know exactly who you are, but, but just trust that that God is doing in the season of your life. You're going to wear yourself out trying to make the right decision. God, I just want to make the right decision. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. He says, you keep your eyes on me. I'll make sure that you're sure. Does that make sense? So, so we say in Spanish, tranquilo. It's where you get the word tranquilizer from. Just relax. God's got your future in his hands. Amen? Amen. Listen, we can trust God in the things that we don't understand and the things that we're not quite sure, you know, which way to go. I know this. I'll never question his love for me again. As I look back, especially the last 40 years of my life, God is faithful. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. One last scripture, and I'm going to ask you to stand. Psalm 77, 19 says, Your road, talking about the Red Sea experience, your road led through the mighty waters. In other words, there was an impossibility in front of them. There was trouble. They were leaving the past and trying to get to the new, the next season. But there was a great obstacle there. And he says, your road, the road that he chose to take them on, led through the mighty waters. Lord, why'd you bring us to this river that's impassable? And then he says, a pathway no one knew was there. Because God says, I know that looks like an impassable step, but I've created a way that you hadn't even thought about. You hadn't even thought about that. As a matter of fact, nobody's ever thought about that, but I've created a specific way for you to take. If you'll trust me, you're going to see and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was there. You didn't realize it was there. Listen, God says, I know you're hungry after me. He says, those of you that are hungry, come taste and drink and see that the Lord is good. He says, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come. And because you, you're hungry for him. Now listen, here's the thing. You're hungering for him because you're needing a... a man, can you turn me off for just a moment, please? Or mute me for just a moment? Thank you. Because you want to receive.
How many say, God, Lord, I'm, I don't know, but if you prepare in a way that I've not even seen yet, where's Miranda and her friend? There, there's a road he's prepared. I'm sorry, I don't know what else is. Give me your name again. I'm terrible, man. You can ask Eddie. I, you just be glad I didn't call you a Gabe or something, because I'll give you a name and that you'll have you'll have a new name for the rest of your life. You know, just my mind is just, you know. But there, there's a way that you've not even seen yet. So so don't lose sight of him. And as you as you keep your sight on him, I know you guys have a pretty good plan, I think. I've heard bits and pieces of where you're going, but man, it's not. So don't get distracted. Don't get detoured. You trust him. You seek his advice. Take action on what he tells you, whether through his written word or just what he's speaking into your spirit. He says, and I'm going to lead you to something. You, you have not even thought about that, that thing that I'm going to open up for you. And I'm going to get you not just to your desired end, to, but to his desired end for you. And that's where you're going to end up. And that's where you want to be. So just keep trusting him. Amen. this prayer with me. Say, Father God, you know where I was, you know where I am, and you know where you're taking me to. So I choose today to let you guide me. I choose today to take your counsel, and I choose today to act on that counsel. I'm not taking a step back. I'm taking a step forward, closer to you, closer to my purpose, closer to my destiny. I choose to connect with you, to connect with my church, to fulfill the purposes that you have for me. I need your strength to do it. Second Chronicles 69 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You say, God, I'm recommitting myself to you in a full way, in a new way. God says, when your heart is totally committed to him, he'll fasten himself to you. It's a word that literally means like Velcro. You know what Velcro is? It just sticks. He said, I'll come and stick to you like Velcro. And when he sticks to you, that means you're walking in his strength and his wisdom, his counsel, his road, his plans, not your plans. So if you're here and you say, I, I need him to stick to me today because I've been through some things. I may be going through some things. We may go through some things. And I want to totally commit myself to him to know that no matter what trouble comes, no matter how I hurt, no matter how it feels, no matter what I can't understand, I know that God is with me and he's not going to take me around everything. It may not be the easiest route or the most convenient or the most comfortable, but he's going to take me through. And I need him to take me through. So I need him to fasten himself to me. So I'm recommitting myself to him. I'm committing my life to him, to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hands with me this morning? Would you lift your hands with me this morning and commit yourself? Lift your heart to say, I'm recommitting myself to you, Lord. I need your help. I need your counsel. I need your might. I need your strength. I need your spirit. And so, Lord, here I am, oh God. Strengthen me. Strengthen me today for the rest of the journey. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, why don't you worship him? Let's worship him together for just a moment.